a long way from a very hard place. It's been a hard race, but somehow I found my way home. I've walked a long road to where only God knows. But when the trumpet blows, you know I did it all on my own. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Act, Protect, Engage, known as Ape Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Chase Sage, and today we are celebrating, commemorating Juneteenth, June 19th, 1865. We hope you enjoy the podcast. We're going to give some historical context to this new federal holiday and also talk about why it's so significant. God bless y'all. Ape. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I do not own the rights to this song, so this is called On My Own by Lecrae and Leon Bridges, and it is from the Birth of a Nation soundtrack, okay? All righty. Administration details we must do every podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. The podcast is available on most platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you follow the podcast, you will be notified of all new episodes. So, when you're watching ID Discovery or My 600 Pound Life on TLC and you hear a bing, you might, you just might, you should actually, see a banner on the top of your smartphone saying that a new episode is streaming right then. If you like the podcast, it will help us get more exposure. Also, if you have a few extra seconds or minutes, please write a review. It doesn't matter if it's three sentences or a dissertation. I will read it, and it will help me improve, and I take all suggestions into consideration. Lastly, please follow us on social media. We're on TikTok at Ape Academy and on Instagram, Ape underscore Academy Podcast. Okay, let's dive right into it. Like all great historical research, we need to cite our sources. First things first, a great article by Randolph B. Campbell called The End of Slavery in Texas, a research note, and a book called Juneteenth, The History and Legacy of the Holiday that Commemorates the End of Slavery in the South by Charles River Editors, okay? So, why is Juneteenth so important? Well, Under the Joe Biden administration, Juneteenth has finally become a federal holiday, but has really been celebrated unofficially by African Americans for well over 100 years. Let's talk about the historical event, like what caused Juneteenth, what makes it so important. Well, Union Major General Gordon Granger, he arrived with 2,000 soldiers in Galveston, Texas, and on June 19, 1865, He freed all the slaves in the Lone Star State through his General Order No. 3. And I'm going to read it right now. General Order No. 3 states, quote, The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. 
The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. All right, so that's the order in its entirety. And what that did was free, once and for all, all the slaves in Texas. Of course, President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation was originally issued in January of 1863. But it was really only intended to serve as a starting point, and it really did not affect vast regions of the South. In the unconquered Deep South, Lincoln's proclamation held very little sway and only loomed menacingly as a threat if total Union victory was secured. So at this stage, in 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, the Confederates were still in the war. So Lincoln had to back up his words. If he's going to free the slaves, the Confederates are like, okay, well, come free them then. Come down there and make us free them. So it was really more of a threat and more of a moral boost. The Emancipation Proclamation represented a major shift in strategy for the Union who up until that point had struggled to secure any significant victories against the rebels. It represented a clear war aim that Lincoln hoped would induce slaves to flee captivity or rise up against their masters, either on the plantation or by enlisting to serve in the military. Inevitably, four blacks across the South, news of the Emancipation Proclamation arrived slowly and in fragments. In some areas, in fact, news of the proclamation was purposely withheld often for years. So, slaves were free, and if you're in a rural, backcountry, isolated area, you might not know. You might still be laboring for your master long after the Emancipation Proclamation, which is why Juneteenth is so important. On the surface, the Emancipation Proclamation seems to promote racial justice. Yet its author, Abraham Lincoln, and his cabinet had always insisted that the primary motive for war was the preservation of the Union, not the abolition of slavery. It is important to remember that the border states that included Maryland, Kentucky, Missouri, and Delaware were slave states that did not succeed secede from the Union. To keep these states firmly neutral, Lincoln had to be very careful not to alienate powerful political backers in these states who owned slaves whose loyalty rested on maintaining that right. So Lincoln was trying to hold together what he had left. The border states, which I just named, they were still slave holding, but they didn't secede. So Lincoln was like, okay, please, guys, we don't need any more states. Join the Confederacy. I promise I won't touch slavery in your state. What I'm talking about is the Confederacy, is the Deep South, is the areas that had the nerve to rise up against us, right? The precepts of the Emancipation Proclamation were purposely constructed to give moral authority to the Union cause. It was not a moral, it was now a moral fight against an institution, an evil one, as well as a noble struggle against rebels threatening to tear the country apart. So, Lincoln's gamble was meant to threaten the South's heavily slave-dependent agrarian 
based economy, meaning it's based on, on agriculture. The South, the Confederacy's entire economic system was built on the plantation model, which was, of course, supported by massive amounts of slaves. Honestly, and this is being 100% honest, the Emancipation Proclamation did not free any slaves at all and was severely limited in its scope, even as a military threat. Thus, Juneteenth does not honor the proclamation, but rather the actual enforcement of it and the change in legal status it brought to millions of African Americans. Another weakness of the proclamation was that it did not cover all slave states. It applied to only those states that had seceded from the Union and exempted parts of the Confederacy already under Union control, like parts of Tennessee. And as stated earlier, the border states were unaffected. Where it failed practically, however, the proclamation was a massive moral boost for abolitionists and for the promotional effort to preserve the Union. Although the military, although military supremacy required to enforce the act was lacking, it, quote, captured the hearts and imaginations of millions of Americans and fundam fundamentally transformed the character of the war. It is crucially important to note that after January 1st, 1863, black men were accepted into the Union Army and Navy, and by war's end, nearly 200,000 black soldiers and sailors served in the Union military. Britain and France, two countries that consider, su consider supporting the Confederacy, eventually distanced themselves due to strong anti-slavery sentiment at home. So they thought about it, and once the Emancipation Proclamation was declared, England and France were like, you know what, we, c we, we really can't jump into this because our people hate slavery, and if we jump in on the side of the Confederacy, now we're trying to reimpose slavery which we can't support, we just can't do it. We don't have the political capital. Let's fast forward to June 19th, 1865, more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Major General Gordon Granger, the Union commanding officer of the Texas District, was joined by 2,000 Union troops in downtown Galveston, Texas. Granger and his men marched through the town, reading his General Order Number 3, multiple times and at multiple locations. First, he read it at the headquarters at the Osterman building and then at the 1861 Customs House, then the city courthouse, and then the Negro Church on Broadway Street. Of course, Granger had no idea he was establishing an annual celebration. He was simply acknowledging that change was inevitable and that he was going to enforce his boss's proclamation. The order was brief and concise with mixed language suggesting a quote absolute equality of rights and rights of property that existed between masters and slaves while simultaneously discouraging former slaves from seeking to own property or seeking out lost loved ones because it told slaves please stay at your place of residence. The order seemed to simply replace master with employer and slave with hired laborer all right so obviously it was a huge deal it was a great gesture but it really was a, it was really kind of murky a little bit of the language was uh 
kind of going back on itself. It really, it, it really was uh, was a complex issue. It really was a complex issue. Granger's announcement was met with a combination of shock and raw jubilation. Quote, some in the, crown, in, the, in the town shouted and danced. Others fell to their knees and wept. It was not lost on black Texans that between 1863 and 1865, they were left uninformed about the Emancipation Proclamation. As news of their freedom was withheld from the people it aimed to help, several lawsuits passed through Texas district courts that challenged the legitimacy of the proclamation itself. After the capture of New Orleans in 1862, many Louisiana slave owners, maybe they saw the writing on the wall. I don't know. It seemed like it. Once New Orleans w was captured, this was early in the war, they began to move their slaves to Texas, right? And they did this in order to escape the Union Army's reach. One former slave remarked that, quote, it looked like everybody in the world was going to Texas, end quote. However, for many slaveholders, Gordon's announcement was important in a different way. Randolph Campbell writes that, quote, for many slaveholders, the date was more important in another way. Was June 19th, 1865, they asked, the proper legal as well as symbolic death date of slavery in Texas? Was it possible that slavery was legal until the 13th Amendment became part of the United States Constitution on December 18th, 1865? The question was important to slaveholders and slave traders because of its bearing on contracts that involved property that had been signed during the Civil War. So let's go into this a little bit. And, and it's a little confusing, but basically what I'm saying, and, and if, you, if you look at the history, yes, the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 freed a lot of slaves. However, there was still the issue of property rights, right? Because before the, the Emancipation Proclamation, slavery was still legal. So people were making deals, trading people, selling people. Now, uh, in 1865, they're saying slavery is no longer. Yet this was never enforced until right now. So it's a question of legitimacy. It's a question of are my contracts, let's say I'm a slaveholder, is my contract with a slave trader, I promised to buy to, to uh, buy someone from him, I put a down payment, slavery was abolished, do I get that money back? Am I obligated to pay him the rest of the money, although the, the transaction never went through? So it's interesting because the Emancipation Proclamation and General Order Number 3 really raised these kind of uh, dicey legal issues. Let's talk about it. All right, so according to Campbell, as late as August 4th, 1864, slaves were still being bought and sold amongst individuals, as I just stated. Slaves hiring, slave hiring agreements were also common during the war's last stages. For example, P. Williams and H.J. Meadow ex executed a promissory note on January 1st, 1865, agreeing to pay Henrietta Arnest of Cherokee County $700 in, quote, current funds on January 1st, 1866, for the hire of, quote, three Negroes, two men, and a woman for 12 months. 
Note these dates. They executed this promissory note on January 1st, 1865. That is two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. So people are still selling slaves. They're still acquiring slaves well after the Emancipation Proclamation. The end of slavery in Texas destroyed the property interests of people who had recently bought or hired black bondsmen. Some attempted to get their money back or property back that they had used to buy or hire and others refused to honor contracts calling for payment in the future. Matters soon would end up in district courts across the state with the question of slavery's legal death date as a central issue. By the spring of 1867, appeals on these legal actions began to reach the Supreme Court of Texas for a final decision. I'll give you a quick synopsis of two of the major cases of the time. It's going to take, I don't know, take a few minutes. Just, just bear with me a little bit here. Uh, there's two cases that kind of encapsulate the issues we're talking about right now. So, two cases, Hall versus Keese and Doherty versus Cartwright. They both came before the court in its October 1860 session in Austin and it finally forced Chief Justice Amos Murrell of Texas and his colleagues to face the question squarely the question of when does slavery end known collectively as the Emancipation Proclamation cases one suit arose from a promissory note given to purchase a slave in January of 1865 and the other from a note given to pay for the hire of a bondsman for 1865 Chief Justice Morrill, joined by Justices Livingston, Lindsay, and Albert H. Latimer, ruled that Lincoln's proclamation was a, quote, war measure that, quote, did not operate presently upon the slaves. The Negroes in question were slaves in January 1865 when the notes were executed, Morrill wrote, and there was nothing illegal in the transactions. As to the fact that freedom came later that year, he was of the opinion that, quote, each party had the same means of knowing the future condition of the slave and act upon his own ideas to the result of the war. Losses fell upon the owners of the slaves at the time of their emancipation. In one case, the purchaser was the loser, and in the other, while the owner lost his slave, the hirer was obligated to pay the note he had signed. Morrill's majority opinion thus stated that the Emancipation Proclamation did not end slavery in Texas, but it referred only generally to, the to a time of emancipation. The use of Juneteenth as a specific date appears first in the concurring opinion of Justice Lindsay. Of, of Justice Lindsay. His statement, as summarized in the Texas reports, cut to the heart of the matter. Quote, the proclamation could manumit the slaves could not manumit the slaves it required the power of the conquering forces the liberation in texas took effect from the date of the surrender of the insurgent forces and the proclamation of that fact by the commanding general dated 19th june 1865 by general understanding that was the date of jubilee of the freedom of the slaves in texas 
Until this final surrender in Texas, the traffic in slaves was lawful. Lindsay added the opinion that the 13th Amendment was not necessary to destroy slavery in Texas. As George W. Pascal wrote in summing up Lindsay's words, it merely, quote, finished the work throughout the entire nation. So, real quick synopsis of those two cases, the justices were saying that the Lincoln's proclamation was a war measure, meaning he freed the slaves, but they're in the middle of a war. It wasn't until his army marched into Texas that slavery truly died completely across the nation because that was the final act. In summary, Juneteenth is the proper legal as well as symbolic end of slavery in Texas. The state Supreme Court decision set the official date of slavery's death in Texas at June 19th. It is believed that the first term, that the first use of the term Juneteenth occurred in the Galveston newspaper in 1890 during a period, a really dark period in fact, of disenfranchisement, disenfranchisement and social repression under the reign of Jim Crow. The Texas State Historical Association notes that the first Juneteenth celebrations doubled as political rallies, and this was to educate black folks about their voting rights. The celebration moved to all corners of the nation through the periods of black migration out of the South, which occurred through the late 19th and early decades of the 20th century. In the North, however, the white majority showed no interest in the holiday. Not surprising, really. So for a time, the celebrations became a, quote, largely forgotten vestige of the Civil War. Texas organized the first of what was to become an annual celebration, celebration of Jubilee Day with a variety of activities, including dances, featuring music, barbecues, and prayer services. In Galveston and other heavily black cities, this type of celebration became the norm. But in East Texas, a culture that res closely resembled the Deep South, the jubilant mood became one of heightened instability, along with fear of reprisals from celebrating in the open. So black folks did not feel like they could celebrate safely in the decades following the Civil War in certain parts of the country. However, by the turn of the 20th century, Juneteenth celebrations rivaled the size of Fourth of July events. However, during World War I, their popularity waned as celebrants were seen as somehow, I don't know how, disloyal and unpatriotic, which resulted in an outbreak of lynchings and mob violence between 1919 and 1921. Now, this, the Juneteenth celebrations happened off and on since then. In Texas, I live in Houston, it's real big down here. We celebrate it every year. But Joe Biden's decision to make it a federal holiday is huge. He cannot, he, he has to be given credit for this. Um, it's a huge historical event. It's an um, underrepresented event. It's a misunderstood event. And uh, I think everyone thinks the Emancipation Proclamation put an end to slavery, period. That's just not true. I'm so happy I can give this history. I didn't want to make it too long. I can go on forever. My research area and for my PhD program is the Civil War, Reconstruction, and the South during this period. So I can go on forever. I'm going to stop it here at around, what, 24 minutes. I really thank you all for joining me. I hope you learned something. God bless you all. Stay safe. Enjoy the day. Have a barbecue. Have a cold beer. Have a cold soda, water, whatever you guys use to celebrate. Hot dogs, hamburgers. Just really appreciate the struggle 
and really appreciate what it means to be an American. God bless y'all. Stay safe. Ape. Ape out. Put God first and your family first. Never give up. Never quit. Ape. God.